0: Patrice Billing spent most of her public service career working with law enforcement agencies. Now she's throwing her hat in the political arena by running for the second senatorial district seat in western St. Charles County. The Democrat joins us next on the Politically Speaking podcast to break down her campaign planks and how she plans to upend incumbent Senator Bob Onder. Let's hit the music. This is the
1: Politically Speaking Podcast, a candid conversation
0: with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Rosenbaum.
1: And I'm Joe Manis.
0: Elections should be about your accomplishments. What have you done to qualify
2: you for the position and why are you qualified to run? I'm going to push back
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Lufu's Alfa Romeo, offering test drives of the Alfa Romeo Giulia, the 2018 Motor Trend Car of the Year at Lufu's Alfa Romeo in Fairview Heights.
0: And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in St. Louis today is...
1: Colleague Joe Maness.
0: And our very special guest...
1: Patrice Billings.
0: A candidate for the state senate in the second senatorial district. Correct. And for before we get into your bio and pepper you with uh, hard questions, just explain the boundaries of the second congressional or second senatorial district.
2: Well, it's western St. Charles County, basically. Uh, it runs from Cottleville. It takes in St. Charles Community College all the way to the Warren County line uh, up to uh, the Quiver River uh, north to the Lincoln County line and down into Wine Country, which is Augusta and Defiance. There's a Quiver River? That's correct. Yes, there is. <laughs> um, I didn't... It's
1: C-U-I-V-R-E, right? It, it's it, Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay, and uh, now you're a Democrat. I'm a Democrat. And this is a district that for the, for the most part, lately, um, since Ted House left, which uh, is probably about 20 years ago, it's been represented by a Republican. It has been.
0: Okay. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but we wanted you to explain your biography first, which is one of the reasons we wanted you on the show. This is, you, you have a biography, I think, that's pretty... Interesting and different from a lot of first-time candidates. So, who is Patrice Billings?
2: Well, I, I can tell you this: that I had a wonderful career as a uh, St. Louis County police officer. I was the chief pilot when I retired, and retired in 2009. Uh, I had uh, had a fixed-wing license when, as a teenager, uh, and uh, it served me well. After I became a police officer, there were position openings in our flight operations, and uh, interestingly i was told by a male colleague that uh... i shouldn't even bother uh... applying for the position of uh, a helicopter pilot because they'd never take a woman in there but it's something that never entered my mind uh, that it wasn't anything that i couldn't do so i did apply in nineteen eighty four uh... i was the only female out of eighty uh... qualified police applicants from the department uh... the only one with aviation background and uh... uh they chose one of the uh, most qualified candidates and i in 1984, the end of 1984, I became the first female police officer in the country to fly helicopters with law enforcement. So, how long did you serve? I served for just a little over 28 years with the department.
0: And, I mean, some people may think like, why does the police department need a helicopter? It, it's and this, I think this got misconstrued during the Ferguson aftermath too. St. Louis County Police Department is one of the largest police departments in the entire state, if not the largest. And they're responsible for covering a pretty large geographic area. So I imagine having air power is something that's not only something that you want to have you pretty much need to have this in order for the this department to, to function correctly is that fair to say?
2: Well it is and not only that in 19 uh, early 1970s a lot of police departments were getting into uh, law enforcement aviation and they were able to do that because the army had a giveaway program and they were giving police departments their used helicopters to start aviation units and the aviation units within police departments are critical. I mean they're cutting edge. Uh, opportunities to be able to um, uh, see aspects of police work from a different perspective, uh, especially when we're talking about searching for lost souls, lost (laughs) children or adults, uh, and doing rescue missions and so forth. Uh, Things now that people are saying should be replaced by drones cannot be replaced because of the capability of the aircraft that are utilized within law enforcement aviation units. So it's a, it's a wonderful tool and um, hopefully it'll be able to be kept around. But in answer to the rest of your question, um, we also combined with St. Louis City and St. Charles County in 2004 to uh, make the Metro Air Support Unit. And that's what I had become the chief pilot of. And we covered almost 1,200 square miles, which is, if you can imagine, L.A. County It uh, was an area uh, in scope and size uh, comparable to that.
0: So. And when did you move to St. Charles? Because I, I don't know if there's a residency requirement in St. Louis County, but... You know I mean, did you move there after you retired or have you been a, now, a resident I've, of st charles for a while
2: i've been in the district for 33 years i lived in old town st peters uh for 20 something years and now i'm in the unincorporated area of defiance and i've been out there for about 12 years
0: i, I just want to just say as an editorial comment i love the, the name defiance I, I think it's just a the greatest city name one it's, of the greatest city names in missouri it, by it the way. really
2: is and uh, i have had people talk to me about that and say, "Oh my goodness, were you part of the uh, television show that was?" <laughs> so there is uh, some uh, romance to
0: that name. So what prompted you to decide to run for this seat? As Joe mentioned before, and we're not going to spend the whole show saying, "Oh, why is it, why are you running as a Democrat in a Republican leaning seat?" because we do want to hear about your platform. But clearly this is a pretty challenging endeavor to run against an incumbent Bob Onder who has been in office in one way or another for about six years now in a district that leans Republican. What made you decide to, to do this?
2: Well, I was asked for one, and I have been asked over the years to consider running, um, and I consider myself a, a, a good and um, a decent candidate, and I am one of those types of people that really does like to connect with people, the public, and, and issues. But you know, we've been told that uh, our district is is leaning one way or the other. But in, in reality, the demographics have changed so much over just the last three or four years that um, that's probably not the case anymore. And <clears throat> what I'm hearing and what I saw was a need and the opportunity for somebody uh, such as myself that really does want to connect with people and their issues, uh, seeing that The people are not being listened to. Um, I've been talking to people now for, gosh, five months, six months. Personally, I've talked to over 4,000 people. And uh, the most overwhelming topic is the fact that they're tired of partisanship, divisiveness, and they want their issues to be heard. And so I think I'm the the most uh, qualified person to do that in continuing my public service, having served for 28 years, I can continue that in another capacity um, and I think it's a, a very needed to have a lot of uh, candidates uh, challenging the notion that we're a red county, when in fact I don't believe that's the case at all.
1: I've got your flyer, which lists uh, a number of your key positions as as you see it. Do you want to go through a few of them, especially the ones that you consider most important and why those are big issues
2: for you? Well, the most important right now in our community in... District 2 is the fact that people have resoundingly repealed right to work, and they do not want it to come back up. Um, The working families of St. Charles County make up our communities. They make them solid and viable. They provide economic stimulus to uh, the area, and... Again, it's one of those issues that I hear most about that they don't want it brought up again because they have spoken. And St. Charles County and District 2 in particular had one of the highest no votes in the entire state at 68 percent. Now, if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will.
1: Now, just so our listeners realize, Senator Onder was a big backer of Right to Work. And it wasn't
2: only that. When he ran in
0: 2014, because I did cover that primary... He ran against two other candidates who considered themselves pro-labor and opposed right to work. And maybe if there was only one pro-labor candidate, that that race would have been closer. Because as you, you're you right, there are a lot of either current or former members of organized labor who have moved from North St. Louis County to St. Charles, or they've lived in St. Charles for a long time. But I think what Senator Onder would say is, well, I won this election in 2014 while running to pass right to work. Um, he cites certain, I guess, internal polling that says it's still a popular policy in his district. How would you respond to those arguments?
2: I'd like to see that polling because um, he did uh, profess to know that it was going uh, to be passed, and in fact, it was not. But here's here's a statistic for for everybody: the fact that uh, we have so many households that are uh, include union members is is wonderful, but right to work was defeated and could have still been defeated without the union vote. So that tells you something right there. And I believe it's out of touch to to think that people still want it when, in fact, they voted not to have it anymore. Um, and it also begs the question, why do they keep pushing when it is, in fact, something that this, the people of this state do not want? Um, So you have to ask yourself the reasons, and the reason is because they're being bought and paid for. Um, People are tired of politicians having opinions that are dictated to them by outside influences. And I think we need to take our state back and make it so that the people have a right to speak about the issues that they want to come to the forefront.
1: Now, are there some other issues that you see as Top priorities for you?
2: Yes, and I'm hearing a lot about education and the funding or lack thereof. I think every child has the right to have a wonderful education in this state, and you know, to change the formulas so that it appears that we're funding education uh, to its fullest extent is uh, is an abomination. To be quite honest with you, I know so many teachers that spend a lot of their paychecks week in and week out to buy supplies for their students because they care that much, because we can't fund these supplies. We have just across the border from District 2, we have school districts that are operating on four-day weeks because they can't keep the lights on. This is an issue that all of the families uh, are talking about. and. People are moving to western St. Charles County because of the great school districts, but they are also opening brand new schools overcrowded. So there's also an issue of planned population growth and the necessities that are precipitated by uh, all of these wonderful uh, people moving into the communities.
0: Interestingly, we had St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman on our podcast last year, and one of the things that he mentioned that St. Charles County did, although it wasn't county government, but it was the people there, is they didn't make the same mistake that St. Louis County made and have like 25 school districts. There's only like, I guess, five in St. Charles County, maybe six.
2: There are. And, you know, that really has no bearing on the fact that every child, no matter how many districts there are in any given uh, county, do deserve the utmost in their education experience. And if we can't pay for it, um, these children are going to suffer the consequences.
0: And the reason I bring that up is uh, when you think about that logically, it makes a lot of sense. But if there's overcrowding in some of these districts, is that maybe having large school districts not actually as good as people yeah, are saying Yeah, because they're so. very
1: large. I mean, the districts in St. Charles County are some of the largest in the region.
0: And I don't know if that really has any impact on funding, but well, but it may, it may or may not. No, I, don't, no, I, don't, I don't think so. I think
1: the contention is, is that it reduces overhead. It doesn't really affect funding for individual students.
2: Look, it's not going to take away the fact that there are that many students in any given county. So, I mean, they have to be schooled somewhere. And uh, our public education system should be top-notch
1: now how have you been getting your message out Um, are you expecting that you may even do TV ads or is it door-to-door stuff flyers just sort of how are you approaching this Uh, especially since this is your first time running for office correct it
2: is I am a first-time candidate and we are using cutting-edge technology with social media uh, word-of-mouth we will not be a campaign that will do television and radio ads because we can't geo-target. I don't want my advertisement to uh, be touching people in Illinois when I can geo-target with uh, specific ad, ads in people's homes, uh, in the zip codes that they live in. So we're, we're using strategic di- digital ad- advertising and. Um, social media
0: yeah I, just, like the battle for jeff co part two will likely be seen in <laughs> illinois uh tv screen so
1: i mean so by digital edge you mean like what on on, on computer or yes. facebook and stuff like that? and then you have like like this flyer i'm holding i take it you're blanketing the your district with these i'm
2: blanketing we have so many volunteers out right now canvassing on our behalf and all of the other great candidates that we have in st charles county As I said before, I've personally spoken to over 4,000, probably 5,000 people at this this time, this juncture, and that's been one of the most rewarding parts of this campaign is actually talking to people face-to-face, asking what their issues are, and letting them know that they will have a voice in Jefferson City.
0: I'm interested to hear your perspective on this issue as a former law enforcement official. After uh, the Michael Brown shooting in 2014, there was expectation that the legislature would pass a host of laws aimed at bridging the trust gap that I think is evident between police and African Americans. They did pass Senate Bill 5, which curtails cities from collecting a lot of fine revenue. That was actually a priority of Steve Ellman before Ferguson. Yeah,
1: but a lot of that got tossed out. Some of
0: it got tossed out, but some of it's still in place. But there has been a perception that other states did a whole lot more uh, with body camera regulations, with uh, independent prosecutors whenever there's a police involved uh, killing. As a former member of law enforcement, if you're in the Senate, I think you would have a lot of gravitas and experience if this comes up. Because I was actually in St. Charles County yesterday talking with some legislators, and there is a feeling that Mike Parson may push for a criminal justice overhaul that includes both political parties. So, and that's a long windup, but I'd like to hear your perspective on this.
2: Well, you know, and it's a great question because uh, as a former law enforcement officer, I personally saw the need for uh, some type of reform within police departments, Uh, across the nation and that does not exclude uh, my own police department but that reform has to come from the top down because the message has to get to the lay police officers and the supervisors that um, something that we're doing is not resonating and is not working with a lot of our uh, neighborhoods and I'm not quite sure what that looks like, but I would certainly welcome um, some type of overhaul, uh, a look at what we can do jointly with other police departments, civilian um, members of a joint task force. Um, I don't think enough is being done, but uh, you know, I know that the police officers that I worked with day in and day out went out there to do their jobs nobody ever started off with a bad intention.
0: Yeah. And I just want to chime in here. The St. Louis County Police Department is widely seen as one of the most best trained and well-regarded police departments in in, the state, state, if not the the nation. So when they were under a lot of criticism after Ferguson, I'm, I'm sure it was a shock to the system of not only the leadership there, but a lot of lay officers who were working incredibly long hours during those protests. I actually have uh, 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 my one of my wife's friend's husband is a police officer there. And the amount of overtime he had to work was just unbelievable. So I do have sympathy when they're in those types of situations. There were instances, though, of how they handled protests that even federal authorities, you know, ding them on. And, and I think that they're trying to make improvements there internally. But I do think there may be a state A role of of crafting overarching policy, which is one of the reasons I asked you that question. Yes,
2: and you're absolutely right. St. Louis County Police Department is a premier law enforcement agency uh, within the United States. Uh, We receive ongoing training, uh, the the latest and greatest cutting edge, um, but it's also a perception of attitude amongst the rank and file. So the interesting part when uh, in 2014 when all of this um, uh, w- turmoil was was happening a lot of police officers are conflicted um, they they know that the communities that they work within are uh, some of the, people that they live next door to and, and yet they have to patrol, they have to work long hours, they had to actually, as you said, uh, supersede the expectation of a police officer because these were new instances of uh, protesting that they had never seen or never experienced before. The fact that they did it to the best of their ability and relied on their training and not more people were injured in all of those um, protests on both sides uh, is a testament to the restraint and the training that they did receive.
1: Now, shifting a little more to the 2nd District, um, are there particular issues, I mean, you talked about, you know, some of your key issues, but when you look at since you, especially since you've lived in the District a while, are there particular challenges or things that you think that if you're in the State Senate, you could help address?
2: There are, and uh, one of the number one um, issues that I'm hearing about is the explosion of population in western St. Charles County in particular district 2 and what that brings with it and uh, so we 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 talked about the schools uh, opening overcrowded but the infrastructure problem western St. Charles County has been a rural portion of St. Charles County for many many years and the infrastructure was not built to handle the the traffic uh... influx that we see now uh... the subdivisions that are being built the heavy equipment uh... the businesses that are um, uh, you know being proposed and built so the infrastructure the roadways um, there's got to be something that addresses the issue on an ongoing basis or we're going to see multiple problems with with traffic flow and infrastructure So another thing is uh, the opioid epidemic. We are a county that is experiencing widespread um, suicide, overdoses, and it's a, a problem that needs to be addressed. We are the last state in the union to... (laughs) <laughs> to have an opioid database, a PDMP.
1: Well, we really don't have... I mean, it's it's basically the, some of the counties. And, yes. St. Louis County created concerned.
0: one, and a bunch of counties uh, decided to join it. I don't know if St. Charles County decided to do that, but I I, I imagine that they would prefer a statewide database in it, many respects.
2: And that, that goes to the fact that without a statewide database, there are still... Um, Physicians that can't access uh, records to know uh, if somebody is doctor-shopping or um, seriously has an issue with uh, an addiction. So that's something that we need to address with regard to treatment centers. Um, we don't have enough of those, and we have an opioid problem within our veteran population and they have very minimal access to uh, centers that they can even go to. I think the closest one for anybody in St. Charles County would be Columbia. That's something that we need to address.
0: You know, I'm looking at your flyer right now, and a couple of other things that come to mind, it says gun owner in support of responsible gun safety laws and supports legislation that protects women's reproductive health care choices. So that means that you you're a gun owner, but you you would support some restrictions on firearms, and you support abortion rights. If I'm if I'm not mistaken from reading that, just explain that because sometimes voters decide to vote for or against somebody based off those issues. It's seen by many that St. Charles County is a socially conservative county. Uh, why, why uh basically explain your positions on those.
2: And you're right. Um, people, There are people that are one or two issue voters. I, I get that. But I am uh, a trained person with a firearm, and I do own firearms, and nobody is going to take anybody's weapons away from them. But here's what I want to see. I want to see kids being able to go to school in a safe atmosphere. I would like to see some sensible laws that will not interfere with anybody's right to own a weapon we can have universal background checks that's an easy one but to insinuate that any type of legislation that's going to make our communities and our schools safer is a uh, prelude to taking all of our firearms away is just a scare tactic that i can't abide with regard to women's reproductive rights This is an issue that has been settled in the courts, and I am firmly uh, in favor of the law, the federal law, as it stands. Although some are trying to push to change it. Well, we already have, and that's what's happening in our state. We're going backwards. We are taking away the rights of women uh, and the autonomy over their own bodies, and uh, I I do believe that it's an issue that people uh, are... Uh, very passionate about but from what i'm hearing again in district 2 is that the demographics have changed we've got a younger population people that don't want to see their rights infringed upon and that includes a lot of women out there that want autonomy over their own bodies Another- now
1: now you mentioned demographics a couple times so you're talking about what younger voters are you talking about more who came from urban areas? Are you talking about more women?
2: Just wanted to get a sense of what we're talking about. Thankfully, we have much more diversity in St. Charles County. Uh, we have uh, a preponderance of women, uh, almost 52% of the it's population. It's also getting more racially diverse, It too. is, and that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a needed aspect to any community. Uh, we must have diversity. It's what <laughs> our civilizations are doing based on is, is that diversity it's a wonderful thing. And yes, we have a uh, more educated population that uh, want to see the state move forward and not backwards, uh, which we have been doing in the last decade.
0: Another thing that's on your flyer that I think is actually gaining bipartisan support is strong proponent of equality for all citizens including those in our LGBTQ community. The reason I mentioned that is, there has been legislation over the past, I think almost twenty years at this point to add sexual orientation and gender identity into the Missouri Human Rights Act. So that means if you were fired because you were gay or kicked out of your house because you were gay, or ejected from a restaurant because you were gay, you would then have grounds to sue either the employer, the the landlord, or the business establishment for discrimination. I take it from that flyer that you support that type of legislation, which could actually end up becoming a big issue the next year or two. Explain your, your take on that. It
2: could be a big issue, but it shouldn't be a big issue. We should have the same rights for everybody. And the fact that we don't have those protections in place for our LGBT community members is an abomination. For 20 years, the issue has been brought before our legislature. And for 20 years, it hasn't even gotten a hearing. What is wrong with us that we can't include a segment of our population that isn't going anywhere? They're among us. Everybody that you know probably has a family member or a neighbor or a friend that is in that community. Why can't we give those people the same protections in housing and employment and To think that we can't even have a hearing on this, it it, it makes me very angry that a a whole segment of our population are seen as less than.
0: Now, there have been hearings in the House, but I don't believe this issue has ever been heard in the Senate before. That's correct. So that's what I think you're referring to. It
2: is. And, you know, something needs to be done to educate people and to stop the fear-mongering because we're hurting ourselves as a society when we say that, this segment of our population is less than they don't deserve the same protections we've got to do something about this
0: let's talk about st charles county in the in the broader context not only your election but other elections one of the big things that stephen weber has been trying to do now weber
1: is the chairman of the state democratic party
0: is make sure that there aren't a lot of house or senate districts where there's no democratic candidate in 2014 for example this district didn't have a Democratic candidate. It was all the Republican primary, That's and that was a it. Shame. And I think that there is some value in doing this, even if you have candidates in districts that are even more Republican than this one, because if you have Democratic candidates who are pounding the pavement, trying to get Democratic voters out to vote for them, then those voters are also going to possibly vote for people like Claire McCaskill and Nicole Galloway. So I wanted you to kind of talk about the broader Democratic effort in St. Charles County because it is a Republican-leaning county, but Claire McCaskill won this county in 2012. There is a pretty significant pocket of Democrats there. And I'm interested to hear if there's kind of a coordinated Democratic effort from the people that are running for this seat, these seats to help other statewide candidates out.
2: Well, and, and I think you, you, you touched on a couple of points, but, um, you know, so we are getting back to this Democrat versus Republican. And this is another thing that I'm hearing from uh, the people of St. Charles County is that they're tired of that partisanship because the issues that affect them aren't a Republican issue or a Democratic issue. They're issues that should be addressed by all of the lawmakers in Jefferson City. So you know, there's a there's an effort. All uh, political parties help their own uh, to do the best that they can to run the best campaigns that they can. If that's what you're talking about, um, there is a coordinated effort to help all of the first time candidates with training and uh, getting out and knowing how to approach people and how to talk to people and how to listen. You know, that's the number one issue that I have found is that people just want to be heard. So. Their issues are nonpartisan, and and that's exactly what I've been hearing for months and months and months.
0: The other thing that is besides the statewide candidates are a number of ballot initiatives that I think are going to drive people to the polls. So I'm just going to go through them and ask for your opinion on them. Certainly. It's a sort of a lightning round of sorts. Okay. Minimum wage increase, what's your take on the, raising the minimum wage to $12 an hour by 2023?
2: It's, it's an excellent idea, and to think that uh, from what other candidates have said that That raising of the minimum wage would only hurt those that it proposes uh, to help is ludicrous. Listen, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that would love to see the hurt in having their paycheck, you know, be improved by 85 cents in the next year. It's something that's absolutely necessary for families to make it when they're living near the poverty line. To think that there's an opportunity for them to have a little more, to have their children have a better life by raising the minimum to $12 by 2023, I see it as a win-win for everybody.
1: Now, there's three different marijuana proposals. Two of them are constitutional, proposed constitutional amendments. The, the third is a proposed statute change. Um, without getting into the weeds, I'm doing a separate feature on that just so folks know. But... Is but, that going
0: to be the segue to whenever we ask somebody about this? Let's yes. not get into the weeks. I am mean, sorry. Continue. Yeah, that.
1: okay. But, but still, I mean, do you have a basic position as far as legalizing marijuana, at least for medicinal use?
2: I am a proponent of medicinal marijuana. Um, I, I've always had a hard time with constitutional amendments, but... Given the track record of our state legislature and overturning the will of the people, uh, a constitutional amendment might just be what's needed in this instance. Um, I am – the statutory uh, proposal on the ballot uh, probably will be the the least um, acceptable. I do believe that uh, having one person, the Bradshaw Amendment – Which is a constitutional amendment. I know what you're talking about, That's Amendment 3. Okay. Uh, Run the whole – um, medicinal marijuana program in the state of Missouri um, flies in the face of uh, reasonableness, to to be sure. But uh, I think the one for um, amendment two, amendment two, is uh, is. Probably the most reasonable of all of them, even though it is a constitutional amendment.
0: Yeah, and if all three pass, we're gonna—it's a full employment plan for attorneys.
2: <laughs> exactly. i just
0: gonna say it that. So, be. and
1: then there's a proposal call. I mean, that the backers call Clean Missouri, which has a lot of different aspects to it. Some of it deal with lobbyist gifts when legislators can become lobbyists. It tweaks some of the campaign finance limits for some lawmakers, but a big portion of it has to do with changing how the state draws uh, the
2: maps for the state, House, and Senate districts. Just... Okay, so what's your thoughts about that? Well, listen, <laughs> it's a start. I do believe that we've got to have some ethical reforms uh, in the state of Missouri. We've become a laughingstock, and if the only portion of clean Missouri that uh, the uh partisan politics are against is the gerrymandering or a fairness of redistricting after the 2020 census, then we've got a problem. But I do believe all of the other portions of the clean Missouri are absolutely doable and necessary. People are starting to educate themselves on the dark money influences that creep into our politicians and our politics in the state. I think people are all for ethics reform. And I'm, I, for one, am in favor of it as well.
0: Raising the gas tax. That one, I think, is getting a lot of bipartisan support. But sometimes it's hard to convince voters to raise user fees or taxes. What, what's your take on that, especially since transportation is so important in St. Charles County?
2: It is. Infrastructure is hugely important. But I guess we'll see uh, what people want uh, after the November election.
0: Thank you so much for coming in today. We're going to be following your race as well as all the other elections throughout St. Charles County. It's a very important county, the fastest growing one, I think, in the state or the nation. Yes.
1: Well, it has been. the For a while, it was the fastest growing in the nation. It's definitely one of the fastest growing in the state. Um, Senate, state Senator Bob Onder has already been on the show. So if you Want to go to our website? You can find that one if you want to listen to him as well so you can hear both sides. I would
0: listen to all sides. I think it's important for people in this district and others to be fully informed of their candidates. So thank you so much for coming in.
2: It's been my pleasure. I very much appreciate the opportunity. And I just want to let the your listeners know that they can find information about myself on our website, which is Billings for Senate, all out, dot com. Uh, we have a Twitter account at Billings for the number 4 Senate, and um, our Facebook page is of the same name, Billings 4 Senate spelled out, so uh, take a look and uh, contact us if you'd like, and we'd be happy to talk to you. It's all about accessibility. And yeah. how,
0: how would you, people follow you on Twitter, Joe?
2: Yeah,
1: I'm at J Manis. It's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at J Rosenbaum, and follow all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org. We went backwards today. The guests went first with Twitter, and Jason Rosenbaum went last. It's always good to shake things up until next time. So long.